Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center, Athletes Made Here. The Sports Performance Center was developed with one goal in mind, to maximize human performance through movement and recovery. Their team of expert performance sports coaches and trainers will guide you to achieve your performance goals. That's the Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center, located at the Star in Frisco. This episode is also brought to you by Allen Dental Studio, located off Bethany drive in Allen. Their office was designed with you, the patient, in mind, which means an excellent and enjoyable experience. From cosmetics to implants, you deserve a perfect smile, and Allen Dental Studio can make that happen. Also, don't want to leave out another longtime friend of the podcast, Texan Senior Residential Care Homes. With locations in Carrollton and Dallas, Texan Senior Residential Care Homes offers an affordable, high-quality alternative to senior living. Call now at 469-400-7650. That's Texen, spelled T-E-X-S-E-N, Texen Senior Residential Care Homes. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Brian Murphy and Taylor Raglan. Uh, gentlemen, it is week six, so let's preview what we got on tap this week. Starting with our reader-voted game of the week, a uh, big thank you to everybody who went to the website, starlocalmedia.com, to vote on this week's poll. And wouldn't you know it, fellas, we get to talk a little private school football. Uh, Prestonwood Christian versus Fort Worth All Saints gets the nod as uh, as our game of the week. This a, uh, I, I want to say this is actually the second time um, over the over the uh, the podcast history that we'll be previewing a game between Prestonwood and All Saints, and I think under the uh, under the game of week game of the week microscope as well. This one uh, Friday seven o'clock out at Lions Stadium on uh, the Prestonwood campus, and um, in a meeting between two teams that um, I just like the significance of this matchup just because of what these two teams uh, kind of embody. With Prestonwood being one of the dominant uh, private school football programs in the Dallas area, and then All Saints being just the same for Fort Worth and you look at kind of how these programs have kind of come together over the years you know like Prestonwood's been, you know, just year in year out, one of the most consistent things at the uh, at the Taps level. And then you had a program like All Saints, which was initially part of Taps back in the '90s, but then in the year 2000 they joined the Southwest Preparatory Conference, where they ev- eventually became kind of the flagship football program for that conference. I want to say they won six state championships during their tenure there, and it got to a point where you had, you know, All Saints just wreck and shop over in SPC, and then you had the Prestonwoods, the, the Nolans, also out of Fort Worth, Bishop Dunn, Bishop Lynch, all these dominant programs in the Metroplex, just basically just trading the state title back and forth in, uh, in TAPS. So it was kind of a, a nice little uh, water cooler question of just how would a, a program like All Saints, as consistently dominant as they've been, how would they fare if they were back in TAPS and playing the uh, you know those other programs? And then in 2017, they rejoined TAPS. And wouldn't you know, their first year back, they immediately went to the state semifinals, where they, uh, where they lost 
ironically enough, to the very team they will line up against on Friday. Prestonwood Christian. This is the uh, the fifth time in the past four seasons that um, that the Lions and the Saints have met. Um, like I said PCA got the better of them in that uh, in that state semifinal back in 2017. An absolute shootout, 55 to 48. I mean, <laughs> both those teams had some prolific offensive talent. Um, All Saints had a bit of a down year last year, though. They only won two games, but um, but have since rebounded. Um, you know, they've already exceeded that win total, and they already have a uh, a signature victory under their belt, and that uh, and that came in defeating Parish Episcopal 24 to 17, a Parish team that had just come off a win over Trinity Christian Cedar Hill, which we've talked about plenty on the mm-hmm. podcast as part of the Taps Division Two uh, classification, and them being, you know, I mean, arguably the best private school team in the state, at least entering the season, but um. So yeah, I mean that kind of, you know, that tells you all you need to know about as far as kind of where uh, where All Saints has come from what they had last year. However, it was in that game against a uh, against a uh, parish where um, you know kind of the big subplot now heading mm-hmm. into this game emerged, and that was in that victory they did lose quarterback Hamp Fay to a uh, to an injury. Um, you know, Fay missed their game last week against Bishop Dunn, a fourteen to two loss. So obviously his absence yeah. was very much felt. And um, Taylor, as you've been you know looking up uh, for this game, obviously. That, uh, that, that very much looms large heading into this yeah. one, given Faye's importance to what uh, to what All Saints has. Yeah, it, it, to me, it's just like it's one of those questions of even if he comes back, you know, certainly even if he's at sixty percent, he's mm-hmm. better than whatever they ran out last week in a fourteen to two loss. So, yeah. you know, odds are maybe you see him, but how effective is he going to be? Because you know, Prestonwood rolled down to Houston, took down St. Pius yes. in a weird game of its own. I mean, <laughs> twelve nothing. <laughs> 12 nothing, and it wasn't all field goals. It was two missed extra points, I think, for yeah. Prestonwood to get to 12. So, you know, it's it's tempting to, you know, I, I took Prestonwood. I guess I'll just get that out of the way. It's tempting to to want to pick, <laughs> to pick all Saints just because that Parish win does look so good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know the offensive line there is is legit. I'm sure you'll get into, into that more in a second. Um, but, yeah, to me it just comes down to the fact that Hamp Faye is clearly, you know, the thing that drives the bus over there. And... If he's out, then I don't give them much of a chance at all mm-hmm. um, as far as, you know, being able to beat Prestonwood. You know, crazier things have happened, especially if Prestonwood has another down offensive performance. I mean, St. Pius is no slouch either, but that's a strange sure. 12 nothing yeah. offensive performance. But, you know, if Hamfey's in there and he's 100%, say the injury, you know, cleared up and it wasn't that serious mm-hmm. and, and things worked out, then... You know, I could really come to regret uh, taking the Lions. Because uh, I mean, when Hamp Fay is in the uh, in the lineup, it's a different ball game for them yeah. as far as what he brings yeah. to the table. He's completed over seventy percent of his passes on the season for eight hundred and forty-five yards and in uh, ten touchdowns, just to one interception. And again, they are three and one, and he missed one of those games. So that tells you right there yep. just how effective he ha- is uh, he is when he has been in the lineup. And you know, whether or not he plays or not, it like even if he does play play, but in a depreciation. Mm-hmm. Capacity, it might not matter because, as you alluded to, Taylor, yeah. they have one of the best, maybe the best offensive line that you'll find at the private school level, and it all starts with the Brockermeyer twins hmm. of, uh, of Tommy and James. Uh, Tommy Brockermeyer, uh, they're both just juniors. Tommy, though, is the number one prospect in Texas uh, per 24-7 sports for the uh, the 2021 class. I mean, offers from everywhere. However, uh, obviously, recruiting outlets seem to be le- thinking that he will lean towards Texas, giving his family's ties to the mm-hmm. School got a dad that played there, has a brother that's currently on the roster.
roster. Um, and yes, a five-star, the number one prospect in Texas. I cannot reiterate that enough. The number one prospect in Texas and at the private school level, that is a massive, mm-hmm. massive difference maker. Even more so than just if you were playing for a mm-hmm. UIL program, just because the uh, the talent can be a little bit more imbalanced at the uh, at the private school level, you know. And his uh, his brother uh, James, no slouch either. Only a four-star. Uh, hmm. I know, <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> Still, I mean, he's the number three ranked center in the uh, in the state for the class of uh, of 2021. Uh, I mean, he's got offers from Texas, OU, LSU, Michigan. Yeah, he's amazing too. It's a rough break <laughs> to be a four-star and be the second best athlete to your twin. Like, yeah. That's a that's a rough break. I mean, I'm sure they're both doing fine, yeah. but. It's a, it's They'll be a okay tough, when they're uh, both blocking alongside yeah. each other at Texas. That's a tough one. Years. So yeah, I mean, this, you look at just what kind of an advantage that uh, that All Saints has. Just I mean, just from the get go. I mean, you, we've we've talked ad nauseum on the podcast about just how just as far as an intangible in any matchup, you know, if you are automatically guaranteed to have a leg up in the trenches, how much that can dictate yeah. the outcome of a football game. And whether or not Hamp Faith plays, whether or not he's at a hundred percent, I mean, that alone is going to give All Saints a fighting chance, regardless of who they line up against, because you have two of the absolute best lineman in the state on the same line. Mm. Um, and then you have a guy like Jacob Matlock who is their uh, kind of their go-to running back as well as receiver. I mean, he's, you know, he's just as involved in the in the receiving game as he is in the run game on the season. Um, let's see. He has 240 yards rushing, 232 receiving. I mean, there are games like against Parrish where he had 11 carries and 12 receptions. I mean, so yes, he's a, um, yeah. He's it's like a, an Alvin Kamara stat line. Very much, game. yeah. So you got to be, uh, got to be mindful of him. And then you have guys like Mitch Bothwell, Peyton Kramer, who are some other uh, you know notable wide receivers for them. Uh, defensively, they are led by Cayman Lane, who um, doubles as a uh, you know their uh, their top pass rusher. Uh, he's got seven tackles for loss, four sacks. Um, that pass rush period has been very impressive with uh, with 13 and a half sacks across just four games. Other guys to watch for on that side of the ball are Andrew Bettle, uh, Tony Lacy. I mean, if you just need an idea as to what All Saints is capable of on defense, again we mentioned that win over Parrish. Parrish is led by one of the top quarterbacks in the state uh, in, uh, in Preston Stone. They held him to 8 of 19 passing for 134 yards. So um, All Saints definitely has a, uh, a gear on defense that is going to be interesting against a Prestonwood offense that has been it's been a little bit more variance to that Prestonwood yeah. offense than usual. You know, Prestonwood is usually a program that you associate with being among the, uh, the, uh, the area leaders. And just about every offensive category and you know you look at like they scored 13 points in their opener against Wiley scored 12 last week against St. Pius as you mentioned but then they have games like when they scored 44 against TCA albeit you know TCA is a little down um, they had 42 against Argyle Liberty Christian but only six of those points came in the first half hmm. so I mean it's this offense can be a little bit trick-or-treat and that's you know that can make a um, you know a matchup against a, a a potentially elite defense like all Saints a bit of a white knuckle ride considering you might not know what you're getting, um, mm-hmm. but nevertheless, you know, you look at how uh, Prestonwood's got to this point. You know, Jacob Switzer, the grandson of a uh, of famed coach Barry Switzer, he's um, you know he's in his first year as Prestonwood starting quarterback, completed almost 60 percent of his passes for 780 yards, six touchdowns to five interceptions. He is also heavily involved in the uh, in the run game. He has 62 carries on the season, just four fewer than their lead running back mm-hmm. Randall Holmes. Holmes has had a great year. His first year as Prestonwood's go-to running back, um, you know, is 434 yards two touchdowns. Switzer has six rushing touchdowns, so be leery of that when Prestonwood gets closer to the goal line. Um, They've also got a guy like Timothy Taylor, who was their leading rusher last year as another option of the run game. He was initially at Frisco Reedy, then transferred back to PCA. Been a little bit slow to get going this year. He averaged five and a half yards per carry, but only 2.9 this season. Um, 
but obviously, you know, he's got plenty of years in that Prestonwood system and has got a track record to suggest that he can write the ship in no time. Um, like I said, it's largely a run-based offense. They don't throw the ball a ton, but when they do, they make it count. You know, Switzer's averaging, you know, about 13 yards per completion. You know, guys like Riley Wilson, Nate Stafford averaging both 13 and a half yards per catch. Um, they got a pretty stout line in their own right, led by a Navy commit, Javon Bouton. Um, but it's been the, uh, I think above all else for this Prestonwood team, it's been that defense that mm. has really stood out early in the season. This was a unit that had a ton of question marks, lost a lot of talent to graduation, a lot of talent is off playing, you know, Division One college football. Um, you know, but then you look at they held Wiley, which I mean, you're thinking of what Wiley's done since then. Wiley might win the district championship mm-hmm. in ten six A. You know, PCA held them to six points. You know, they held mm-hmm. TCA to seven points. They shut out St. Pius. You know, overall just fifteen points per game allowed. Um, you know, and it all kind of starts up front with that uh, with the defensive line. You know, I was talking with head coach Chris Cunningham back when they uh, when they squeaked out that win over Wiley, and I mean, for again, for just a you know public school offensive line versus a private school defensive line, Prestonwood owned them according to Cunningham. And you know, guys like Dylan Jackson, Aiden Combest were just I mean, they were living in the backfield against the uh, against the Pirates. Then you have guys like Graham Hill, Riley Wilson, who again Wilson I mentioned earlier is their leading receiver. He doubles as their second leading tackler hmm. and is tied for the team lead in the interceptions with two. Um, so yeah, he does everything. <laughs> um, and then uh, you know, guys like uh, Walker Lunsford. I mean, they got some talent all over on defense. It's a defense that's very new, very young, but they're starting to really come together and you know, kind of a uh, just working part and parcel with what PCA usually has in that side of the ball. And it's going to be in the trenches where um, I'm fascinated to see how Friday's matchup pans out because, as we mentioned, this is probably the the stiffest test they'll face. Yeah, you know? and I I see it. Man, it's so it's so hard to predict. Like I, I'm glad I don't have to put points on this game because um, I could see it going. You know, especially if if Hamp doesn't play, I could see it being another case of 14-6, 12-8, something really dumb just because defenses are both so good. Preston Wood offense has had its ups and downs and, and like you mentioned, is going up against a really stout defense. Um, you know, like you say, you don't want to take away anything from Wiley, but All Saints has proven that that unit is, is for real. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I could see another low-scoring game, you know, decided by a single score, nobody breaks 20, or, you know, maybe Hamp plays and, and it's just a track meet because the defenses are going to get worn out and, and um, you know, the, the Preston Wood offense is rolling and running the ball over the place mm-hmm. and throwing it around and, and then it's, you know, 42 to 35 or mm-hmm. something dumb. Like, it, it's really tough to pick, especially these private school games sometimes and when you don't know, um, you know who's going to be on the field as far as injury goes. But if I had to put money on it, I would I would imagine another kind of low-scoring mm-hmm. dogfight, defensive struggle with you know Hamp's availability and effectiveness if he is available, kind of being the difference. He's already graduated from having a first and a last name. He's, he's just, just Hamp. Hamp. He's just that's Hamp a great name. Us. I have to just say, I mean, he's a great <laughs> name. How can you not? I was, um, I'll admit, I was a little surprised at how the picket line ultimately yeah. ended up swaying on this game, just considering that if All Saints is at full strength, I mean, you could yeah. argue that they're the favorite in this yeah. matchup, just given what that team has already accomplished when at full strength. I mean, like I said, like there was a minute where, you know, again, when Parrish took down Cedar Hill, they're thinking, wow, that might be the best private yeah. team in the state. And then they turn right around and lose to All Saints. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's I, I picked Prestonwood as well, and ultimately, it, it's again, it's the Hamp question. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, again, without knowing for sure that he's going to play, I mean, it's just it's too much of a it's variable also, to... It's also a little bit of a like a devil you know, I think, thing for us. I mean, a lot of the times, you know, we don't cover Prestonwood on a week-to-week basis. Even you, I don't know if you've seen him this year. No, it's been the um, first time. So, it, it's, it's tempting sometimes to go with like, oh, well, we know what Prestonwood has. We know how good they've been. 
and you know none of us have seen All Saints. None of us have really in depth looked at All Saints. I mean, the injury thing is obviously the biggest factor, but I think sometimes we do get a little, mm-hmm. <laughs> a little coverage area biased, maybe. So I get, yeah, it, it's a little surprising to me too that it was a clean sweep. Yeah, this one was a uh, was a five zero sweep for Prestonwood over All Saints. Um, we'll see if that's how it pans out on Friday. Once again, that has been our uh, that is our game of the week: uh, Prestonwood versus Fort Worth All Saints. This one Friday, seven o'clock, out at Lions Stadium at Prestonwood. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media. 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. And now, let's get back to the podcast. We are out at Prestonwood Christian Academy talking with offensive linemen, also standout nose guard for Prestonwood Christian, uh, Javon Bhutan, uh, committed to Navy, Mm -hmm. correct? Uh, This is a a preview for our game of the week. Prestonwood Christian versus Fort Worth All Saints, Friday, 7 o'clock, right here at Prestonwood. Uh, Javon, congratulations on a a strong start to the season. It's a bit of a new team, a bit of a young team. So just uh, kind of talk a bit about you guys are, uh, what, 4-1 heading into this big game against uh, against All Saints. Just kind of how are you feeling so far about the... uh, about the hot start for the F and the Lions, um, I'm feeling confident. I think we should be five and zero. You know, we had a close one, kind of blew a lead back then, but th- blowing that lead kind of built our team, like built it like together and made us bond and made us like focus hard on practice and stuff. And this team is really tight. Like I'm thinking t- back to two weeks ago when we were down against Liberty, yeah, and we came out that second half really strong. Like the offense was clicking, special teams was clicking, defense was clicking, and even though our team is young, like our team plays with a lot of energy and a lot of fight. So we might be down, but we're never out. Now you guys have done a little bit more traveling than usual for uh, the yes, schedule. You mm-hmm. got to take the trip to Atlanta. We're down in Houston mm-hmm. last week. What's it been like getting to see a little bit of play football, I guess, outside of the Metroplex a bit? It's been interesting to see how, like, uh, Dallas football is compared to like everything else like Houston football and I mean like Houston football is dominant too because it's in the Texas region and Texas is football is king in Texas mm-hmm. and going to Atlanta and just going against all those big boys from Georgia and comparing them against Texas was a great experience too now I uh, know you guys uh, just finished coming back from uh, from a 12-0 victory against St. Pius mm-hmm. um, I mean I think of the last couple years when you've seen St. Pius in these, yeah, you know, these big 12 style yeah. shootouts and then you win a game 12-0 and coach telling me that I guess the field conditions were all oh, sorts yeah, of chaotic. Yeah. What was it like kind of being in that atmosphere? It was just a slug it out game, yeah. just like good old classic like 1970s football, like back in the old days just run and pound, <laughs> ground and pound all day, like the passing game was it, like the conditions and mud just, it didn't allow for a passing game so you just have to like depend on the line depend on the running backs to hit the holes mm. it's a great experience. Your style yeah. of game right? Yeah. So I mean now you've been with this program for quite a bit, uh-huh. um, now um, like I said, there's a lot of turnover from last year. You're one of the few returning starters mm-hmm. on this team. What has it kind of been like having to kind of, I guess, take a lot of the younger guys under your wing and kind of, I guess, operate a much different team than what Preston Woods had in recent years? Uh, it's been good because there's a whole lot of new energy now that a lot of people that haven't played are playing now. So, like, they're really excited for the opportunity yeah. and they're giving 100% effort in practice and just dedication to the thing, just doing cryotherapy and, like, recovery and just making sure they're on time for practice, eating right, hydrating for the game. So the new energy burst has been like it's been a good effect to our team. Now you've been one of the program's top offensive linemen for a while. Just mm-hmm. talk a bit about, I guess, that specific uh, position. Um, just kind of how has your game as a lineman evolved? I guess from uh, from last season, where do you feel like you've kind of grown? Um, last season, I felt like I was just 
one of the best in in Taos at pass blocking. But then I just wanted to be more dominant, so I like I focus on run blocking. And you know I'm committed to Navy, and yeah. you know running is what they do down there. So like I just focus on run blocking, just dominating my guy every time. And I used to take plays off, kind of like when it wasn't like my side, but now like I'm just pure dominant. And I've just been working on my footwork every day, doing jump rope, bench press, and just training all summer. And Coach saying you've also got involved on the defensive yeah. line as well. What has that transition been like playing both sides of the ball? It's been great because as a defensive lineman, you kind of see like both sides of the ball. And like it, it works on my footwork too. Like it makes me faster off the ball. And it, makes, it works on my conditioning too. Like because I have to focus on offense and defense. So I can't just be one minus set, go to the sideline, take a break. Like I have to be in the game always. Now, had you played any D line at all prior in your uh, high school no. career? No. All right. So I guess um, right, so then looking ahead now to uh, to Friday's matchup. I mean, you have an All Saints team that's much improved yeah, from what you guys yeah. saw last year. Um, mm -hmm. they got some talent up front yeah, as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so what do you mm -hmm. kind of know about All Saints and how are you feeling heading into that matchup? Um, I know that there's they have really good linemen, Brockmeyer twins, mm -hmm. the brothers. I mean, they're really good. I know that they have some good D linemen, good defense, and they run like a like a um, crazy defense kind of like okay. the blisses and the stunts are like really out there. I know that they're just they're way better than they were last year. Last year they're you know a rebuilding team, but this year like mm -hmm. they've proven like they can beat teams. Like two weeks ago they beat Parrish, and they had a close one with Dunn. So like this would be a good matchup for us to see where we're at too. This is going to be y'all's sixth game. You finally get the district schedule started yeah, next week. How definitely. anxious is the team just for district to finally be here? After this week, um, we're anxious. We kind of started this term like a revenge tour we're on because last year we started off like eight and zero, and then we lost to you know Bishop Lynch and Bishop Dunn back yeah. to back. So like we're just kind of like trying to retake over the district from when we won state in 2017. Awesome, yeah, well, hey, Javon. That is all I had for you, man. Once again, so, this has been Javon Bouton, offensive mm -hmm. lineman plus defensive lineman this year with uh, Prestonwood Christian. They host Fort Worth uh, All Saints on uh, on Friday out here at Lions Stadium in our game of the week. Should be a fun one, Javon. Thank you for taking yes, the time to chat. Thank you. Um, still got four more games to talk about that were also up for consideration for Game of the Week. So let's look at a few of those marquee matchups. We were just talking, gentlemen. Hebron at Capel, Friday, 7 o'clock at Buddy Eccles Field. There wasn't a whole lot to glean from that first week of a 6-6-A, other than the Flower Mound still being really, really nice and coming back and getting nice dramatic wins over Louisville. Um, but we get the uh, the action ramps up a little bit more this week. Hebron versus Capel, two, two teams that made the playoffs last year, both made very very short work of their uh, of their uh, opening district opponents. Uh, Capel steamrolled Irving MacArthur 42 to six. Hebron beat up on Irving Nimitz 52 58 to 12. I should say. Um, and yeah, I guess as far as kind of where we're leaning on this game, you know, you have Capel, which you know nearly shocked Allen mm -hmm. back in week three, albeit a uh, you know an Allen team that was missing its starting quarterback, Raylan Sharp, and turned the ball over a million times. That did, you know. But that's hey, credit to hey, Capel yeah, for happens. generating those turnovers. Happens. You know, Capel's had a pretty stingy defense to start the year and whatnot. Um, they do have quarterback Kevin Schumann back. He was big in that uh, in that performance against MacArthur. You know, he had been out for their uh, their previous couple games, um, and with him in there, it's a, it's a whole new ball game. And whether or not it's enough to really you know make a you know make the Hawks sweat you know I personally of I mean I picked Hebron to win the district championship so that should be a hint as to where I'm leaning on this I'm not about to you know turn my back on my district title pick this early um, so yeah I ended up going with Hebron to win you know again we're still kind of waiting for that big breakout performance and I know 58 points against Irving Nimitz is 58 is a nice yeah. number but got a factor in the opponent still want to see him do it against a, uh, a playoff caliber opponent and this could be the the matchup to do it time will tell though it's a weird uh, there's nothing going not only from the first week and then both kicking the crap out of an Irving school but 
from the whole season thus far. They both had some really weird head scratchers. <laughs> what like, do you mean, Taylor? <laughs> because Capel almost beats Allen without Raylan Sharp, but barely got by LD Bell, like 17-10. Oh, they had a scrape and claw. Hebron yeah. loses 33-14 to Arlington Martin in that weird, wild game almost, that made no sense. I almost sense. throw that one out there. I, I mean, think, I do yeah. too. That game but bucked it, every sort of conventional trend that exists in high school football. But then they also really haven't played anybody they weren't expected to beat. I mean, they, they beat Plano soundly, which yeah. everybody expected. Yeah, that's been a beat, tricky game in the past for them. Yeah, and then they beat Fossil Ridge. I mean, it, it literally the only decision point I think is you know kind of like you said I don't know I think I had five on as district champion with Hebron number two but those teams are so close the talent level so high I'm really just going based on what we think of Hebron and, and the talent that they have although I do expect it to be pretty offensive you know mm-hmm. I, I think Kevin Schumann being back definitely helps there's a lot of talent on both sides uh, offensively but I think Hebron's just got too much I think it'll be a good one and mm-hmm. I think it'll be like you said maybe kind of finally Hebron like okay this is how good we are compared to potentially the fourth or fifth team maybe in our district, the postseason bubble team uh, that we all kind of think Cop Hell will be. So. If this is a shootout, it would be a, a very stark departure from what they played last yeah. year. This was a 16-15 to 15 ball game last yeah. season, won by uh, Capel, I believe. Ooh. So um, we'll see, though. However, the picket line was unanimous in this. They are riding that uh, that Hebron Hawk wave. Um, 5-0, clean sweep for Hebron over Capel. We'll see if Capel makes us look like fools. Probably. <laughs> Brian, a uh, matchup that is uh, going to be very near and dear to your uh, your coverage later on this week. Frisco Centennial at Little Elm, Friday seven o'clock out at the Little Elm ISD Athletic Complex. <laughs> Stop. You didn't go to Little Elm. You went to Sac. Well, I'm a Little Elm homer. <laughs> Not even hiding it. Not even, <laughs> not even trying to like, deny it. I like the Lobos. And Taylor is a Centennial alum. Yes, so, I actually went there. Yes, yeah, so. so I will. I will mediate this. Uh, what's sure to be a heated breakdown of this game. Um, I don't know, Brian. Let's see. I mean, you'll be covering this game yep. on Friday. So, what is your initial lean on this game, and uh, what do you expect? I have no idea because <laughs> yeah. Centennial almost beat the Colony last week. Mm-hmm. They had the perfect game plan for the Cougars against Miles Price and those guys. Little Elm, um, they're they're coming off a. Uh, District opening loss to Lone Star, not really indicative yeah. of. Oh well, that's going to yeah. happen a lot. Yeah, yeah. They, you know that was a blowout loss. Everyone's yeah. going to lose uh, big to Lone Star. Man, this is this is a huge game. I mean, it's only week two of the district slate, but if you think about it, you know if you if you if you're little um and you're like, okay, we still have to play the Colony and Independence. Mm-hmm. Very well, could be two losses. Centennial, you still have to play Lone Star and Independence. You know, this is a big game. This could decide, you know, the, the fourth seed. You know, last year this this pretty much decided that as well. Uh, pretty much eliminated Little Elm from playoff contention last year. You know, you, lo- you lose by seven to Centennial. You start the district slate 0-2. It's kind of hard to bounce back, even though they got that win uh, in the following week over Wakeland. But, you know, this is – it's big. I, I, it's so early. I know it's the beginning of October. But for those bubble teams, you know, the, the teams that are hovering on that four or five seed in, in this district, you know, this is a must-win game for, for mm-hmm. both sides. There's just a – man, there's so much, like, variance in what we've seen from Centennial. Like, yep. the same yeah. team that got shut out by Lake Dallas. But that seven. was a different team, though, mm-hmm. because they were kind of using a b- different quarterbacks. They didn't really have a running back yet. Uh, they're still trying to figure that out. They might they might have found their running back in Juwan Washington last mm-hmm. week. Uh, last I, Speaking with Coach Webb earlier today, you know, they've used him, you know, in the recent years as a nose guard, as a linebacker, and then, you know, up recently they were like, well, he did okay on JV as a running back. Let's let's see what he can do, you know. And so they kind of plugged him in, and mm-hmm. he had rushed for rushed for over 200 yards uh, last week against the Colony. So they might have found their guy, 
Uh, luckily, Little Elm is, I think, better at stopping the run than the Colony is. Then maybe that's the Colony's issue right now, um, defensively stopping the run and, and running the football. Uh, Little Elm does both of those things really well. They don't throw it like the Colony does, obviously. They don't have those skill position guys you know, outside of Ryan Watts like the Colony mm-hmm. has. But Little Elm, they can really run the ball, and that's going to really force Centennial to change their game plan this week versus last week. Last week, they, pl- they said, hey, Run the ball, please. The Colony has a freshman running back. Uh, their, their offensive line is, is a lot less experienced than it was a year ago. And so they, they pretty much baited them to run the ball. You can't do that against the Little Elm because they're just going to hand it off to Jordan Hall 30 times, and he's going to rush for over 200 yards. Mm-hmm. They, that's, that's their bread and butter. Uh, Coach Brown and his staff, they love running the football. So Webb, they're, Webb and his staff, they're going to they're gonna have to, you know, do something different this week if, if they want to beat the Lobos. Where do you uh, where do you two fall on this matchup as to who wins? Well, I think you know where I'm picking. Uh, it, this one actually was tough. This wasn't a no-brainer by any means. This could this literally was 50-50 for me. Uh, but I, I went Little Elm. I, I just think you know. I think they're like I said they're better suited to, to beat a team like Centennial. Um, you know, and, and granted they almost beat the Colony last week, but you know there was there were a lot of things went their way. I don't think that's. You know, they're still the same team that also lost. They got shut out to Lake Dallas. I don't. I, I really don't. I'd be shocked if if Little actually won, lost this game. That I really think about it. But and I just kind of want to get in in because uh, <laughs> he's a Centennial guy. Uh, but yeah, that's you obviously mm. pick Centennial. I went with Centennial not because I like necessarily just believe yeah. that it's gonna a sure thing. I think this game's mm-hmm. close to a toss up. I I'm choosing to buy into the fact that maybe Centennial did figure something out against the Colony. You know that can have kind of a galvanizing effect on a program, even though they didn't quite get there. I mean that's a yeah. that's a huge appearance, especially after the Lake Dallas game and how awful they looked. That's a huge confidence builder and bounce back and it's like okay we can play football you know we're not going to get we're not just going to roll out and get smoked by 24 against a very mediocre Lake Dallas team so I don't know I also don't know what to really make of Little Elm yet because their losses have been you know quote unquote good losses they beat a Northwest team that then went out and laid an egg against like it, yeah, it's that maybe all isn't as good as we thought they would be. It's just yeah. all really strange, I think, on both sides. So I, I think it's effectively a toss up. If, if Centennial really figured something out, then I could see them edging Little Elm. If if one team's going to win going away, it's going to be Little Elm. So I I don't know. It's it's close. I could absolutely see Little Elm winning the game, and and I think that maybe there's a little more talent there. But I'm kind of leaning on the fact that that Centennial's rolling a little bit and maybe figured something out. Last Centennial week. might have found their quarterback because <laughs> they've been you know going through a bunch of guys at quarterback. And, um, you know, last week they even started that a little bit. You know, Grayson Derry starts the game, and then they put in Nathan Hopkins. Well, Nathan Hopkins got banged up. He got hurt in the second quarter of that game. And, you know, once you know Grayson went back in, they started moving the chains, you know, consistently again. So I think, you know, and Coach Brown, you know, he was at that game as well because it was on a Thursday. He was mm-hmm. able to scout. You know, he, he thinks that, you know, Grayson should be that guy, and I think he should be that full-time star. I, I don't think they should be going through two and three <coughs> quarterbacks like they have been, like they were against, like, Dallas. Could be a reason why they were shut mm-hmm. out. Still trying to figure out an identity. Uh, so that bodes obviously well for Centennial. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, Little Elm's got a, a really stout defense. You know, they have a really good pass rush in Tyrese Poe. If they can, you know, they weren't really – the Colony wasn't really getting a lot of pressure on Grayson Darius last week, at least from what I remember. And, I, you know, Tyrese Poe, he had, you know, three sacks in that game against Northwest at the beginning of the year. He's a stud. 
Um, if he's getting in that backfield and you know wreaking havoc, it could be a long, long day offensively for Centino, especially if they can't get the running game going like they did last week. Yeah, it really just does boil down to again to how much you are buying into what they showed against the yeah. Colony, and whether or not that's a team that has in fact turned the corner and found a little something that might be sustainable versus a team that had a bit of an aberration of a performance where just some weird fluky yeah. things mm-hmm. kind of went. I wasn't alone. Went their way. Yes, I you were not. Alone. This was a very, very competitive, contentious game on the picket line. It was a three to two, a rare three to two. We've not had mm-hmm. too many three to twos on the picket line yet this season. And um, myself, Brian, Kendrick, siding with Little Elm. Taylor, you and Devin Hassan going with the uh, with the Titans out at Centennial. Uh, let's see. Got a couple Mesquite ISD matchups to round this one out over in District 11 6A. Mesquite versus Rockwall Heath. Friday, 7.30 p.m. out at Hanby Stadium. Um, Skeeter's looking to bounce back from their first loss in a very uh, deflating one at bat mm-hmm. as um, as they had homecoming dashed by those uh, those, those dastardly uh, Horn Jaguars <laughs> who uh, got some revenge um, in the uh, in the latest chapter of that rivalry. This was 35 to 14, um, a game that Horn just took control of as as it went on. Um, a really rough night for the uh, for the Mesquite offense, which had just been cooking for those first uh, those first few weeks. You know they completed you know less than 50 percent of their passes as an offense just could not get a whole lot going from the uh, really from the second quarter on. It felt like um, so we'll see. I mean that's district victories in 11 6 are going to be very hard to come by. And if you're Mesquite, you cannot afford no one to start. And they uh, and they get a very uh, a rejuvenated uh, Heath Hawks squad under um, under head coach Mike Spradlin in his first year. Um, you know Heath looked the uh, looked a part of a very improved team with uh, you know 39 and a half points per game on the season. They did get tripped up against uh, against McKinney North and whatnot, but um, you know, it's a very dynamic passing offense behind quarterback Josh Hoover. You know he's thrown for over 1,600 yards and 17 touchdowns. I got four receivers with at least 13 catches. Um, you know it's uh, I mean it's a very dynamic offense and an element that uh, you know that was sorely needed for uh, for a Heath team that kind of putted its way through 11-6A last season. As far as how this one pans out, I'm, uh, it just boils down to me not banking on two bad games in a row from the Mesquite offense. Um, and yeah, simple as that. I like uh, head coach Jeff Fleener's squad to bounce back, especially quarterback Dylan Hillard-McGill, and, uh, and get the win on Friday. But you guys? Yeah, I'm, I'm similar. I think Mesquite's <laughs> too good to, to drop two games in a row. I think Rockwell Heath is certainly not. I think last week had a lot to do with Horn improving, you know, yeah. like they're like they're known to do. Um, Horn's definitely found something, which we'll get to in a second, I believe. But, um, yeah, I, I don't like the, uh, the loss to Poteet from Tyler Lee, who then beat Heath, if that makes sense. I was playing a little schedule. Schedule craziness, who beat who beat who. But I, I think Heath has improved. I, I think there's something there for sure. You know, they, you want to say they, quote unquote, kept pace with McKinney North. I mean, that's a mm-hmm. really prolific offense. They lost that game, but, you know, that's a, a pretty good showing. But, you know, I think Mesquite's a really, really good football team that didn't show well last week. And, you know, they, I think they've reached the point where it's time to, you know, after a week like that, you come out and beat the brakes off somebody else mm-hmm. and kind of erase it. I picked against Mesquite last week, <coughs> so I decided to pick them this oh. week. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that to the <laughs> Skeeters. Too How generous of you, Brian. Uh, <laughs> let's see. This one was a sweep in favor of the Skeeters. We all like them five up <coughs> to, uh, to pick up their first district win Friday against Heath. And we can close this out with um, what should be one of the more fascinating games just in the area. That's a good period. word for it. Uh, let's see. Mesquite Horn versus Rockwall. This one Friday, 7.30 at wilkerson Sanders Stadium in Rockwall. A game that took on a far different look a week ago. 
I mean, you had everyone was getting jazzed up for Rockwell making the trip to, mm-hmm. to face Longview in a meeting between you know two of the best teams in the in the Metroplex and really kind of the signature game last week. And then really any ho- any hope of it being a competitive ball game went out the window after one series for Rockwall as their uh, their stud wide receiver uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba left uh, with a shoulder injury early in that game and yeah. Yellow Jackets never recovered, to say the least. 49-3 loss, um, an absolute mauling at the hands of the reigning Class 6A Division II state champions. So, um, And now that sets the stage for a turnaround against a Horn team, as I mentioned, was uh, was very impressive in defeating Mesquite. Their, def- their defensive line, their run game really got after the Skeeters in a big way. So now, with a uh, with a week for Rockwall to brace itself for life without Jackson and Jigba, he's at the very least going to miss this game on Friday. Um, that's kind of the big question is now what do we expect from Rockwall without their uh, their alpha and omega I think that man, it's so tough because like you said there's definitely something to the fact that like okay we know we're going in without him you know mm-hmm. we can game plan it's not like Braden Locke is all of a sudden not gonna be able to throw a football mm-hmm. you know you can game plan differently um, you know you can you can plan for other receivers to step up that are kind of in, you know, the shadow of, of Smith and Jigba, who is mm-hmm. obviously just so yeah. prolific. So, you know, I don't think the Rockwell offense is just going to fall off a cliff and score three points again. I mean, I, I don't think that's happening. Longview's a special case and and losing Smith and Jigba the way they did and, and kind of just throwing a wrench in the entire operation is very different than, you know, as you mentioned, having a week to game plan. At the same time, though, I I think Horn's just rolling right now. I think they're finding an identity. I think they they get better pretty much week to week. You saw that last year after that crazy start, you know, and, and that tough non-district mm-hmm. schedule. Same thing, you know, this year they're battle-tested. They've played really, really good uh, football teams. Um, they took it to Mesquite. I mean, that was no fluke last week. Um, so, I don't know. I think it's going to be a really good game. Um, you know, maybe this is one where I look back and I was like, what the heck was I thinking, taking Mesquite Horn? I mean, I, get, I could see having that feeling on Friday, like, oh, of course, like, it's still Rockwall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but for now, I, I, I think I'm going to throw my weight behind um, Horn and, and its kind of upward trend and and maybe think that, you know, Smith and Jigba being out is going to be enough to slow Rockwall and, and have them scrambling a little mm-hmm. bit, uh, either until he gets back or they have, you know, maybe two weeks to really kind of figure out what their identity is without him. I'm just kind of looking at that performance against Longview as just kind of the absolute worst case scenario. Yeah. Like everything yeah. that could have gone wrong did go wrong. Yeah. Obviously, you enter that game with Smith and Jigba being the centerpiece of your offensive yeah. game plan as he is every week. So when that goes out the window after your first series, you you're just kind yeah, of like, like just yeah, so happy to be playing uh, the defending state champions at, at Longview. At yeah. Longview, you're screwed. In East yeah. Texas, yeah. where it's notoriously difficult to mm-hmm. play, so I'm kind of throwing that result out and trusting yeah. that if there's any if there's any coach in the area that I would feel comfortable with backing with a week to prepare without his star player it's Rodney Webb yeah yeah. Um, he's one of the best offensive coaches in the state so um it is basically just a vote of confidence that again with a week to prepare they're going to uh, and it's going to be an offense that frankly it's kind of tough for Horn to really know what to expect because you can't really you know go off of film and what you see as far as what you know um, as far as what Rockwell's going to have cooking on uh, on Friday so yes even though again it's it's not just Jackson that's banged up they're also missing their starting running back Zach Henry who's also a terrific 
player, as I can attest, you know, seeing them last year against Allen. Um, there is still talent, though. It's not yeah. like it was just reliant on those two. Obviously, their quarterback, Braden Locke, one of the top sophomore quarterbacks in the state. Um, you know, they've got a running back, Khalil Catlett, who has stepped up very nicely in place of uh, of Zach Henry. Um, he's averaging around like five, six yards a carry. Um, J.J. Williams, another big play threat receiver. He's going to be kind of taking on the reins as far as the go-to pass catcher for them. Um, again, there's still too much talent there for me to just completely like write them off entirely to the point where I'm picking that they're going to lose two games in a row. I'd be fascinated to know the last time they lost two games in a row, by the way. That is a Rockwall team that is consistently solid year in, year out. Um, and again, I trust Rodney Webb's going to have them ready to uh, to beat the Jaguars on Friday. Um, let's see. And this was another uh, another contentious game on the picket line. Another 3-2. to two. Uh, Taylor, you and Devin Hassan siding with, uh, with Horn. Uh, Brian, you, me, and Kendrick picking Rockwall. And what uh, definitely one of the more uh, compelling matchups that we have on the docket for uh, for this week. Um, let's see. As far as um, games that we're personally covering, mm-hmm. what do you guys have planned this week? Thursday, I'll be at the Star, Lone Star, and Wakeland. Hopefully, it's not a, a fifty-point blowout. I think Wakeland can kind of hang in there a little bit, uh, make it a game, and then yeah, Friday, thirty-eight point, uh, something, something <laughs> like that. Uh, and then Friday, I'll be at Little Elm for Little Elm and Centennial, which should be a good one. I'm making the long. The hall up uh, up seventy five to Denison for Lake Dallas and Denison. I'm gonna get my eyes on mm-hmm. um, Denison for the first time and, and hopefully a, a healthy Jadarian Price. Uh, it's gonna be a tough one for Lake Dallas. That's a long <laughs> that's a long trip to play a, a good young fast team, but we'll see. That's we'll uh, be out of Munson Stadium to, to uh, experience that atmosphere for the first time. So. I will be uh, on site for our game of the week, Prestonwood versus Fort Worth All Saints. Follow me along at M Welch SLM for all of your Hamp Fay health updates. Hamp, where uh, where can they follow you guys at? We haven't plugged our Twitter feeds in a bit, so if they want to see my my press box food eats, you know, Brian is very big on taking pictures of his press box <laughs> food. That. I'm I'm gonna have to like write a column or something. On, <laughs> by the end of the year, you know which place you know had the best, you know, press box. We food. can't let our Frisco ISD guy write a column about press box food. I don't think we gotta. Hey, have I've been doing a good job. Of not avoiding that, Frisco. <laughs> that's just how that's you know that's how it's gone. Uh, but I'm at Brian Murphy underscore. Mine's just my name. It's Taylor Raglan. You'll wow. find it. Awesome. I believe in y'all. And, uh, and that'll do it, folks, for this episode of the podcast. We'll be back on Monday to, um, I think we got some sort of little mid-season theme planned for, uh, for Monday's episodes. We'll see what that holds. Otherwise, folks, that'll do it for this episode. Appreciate y'all for tagging along. Thanks for watching. We will talk to y'all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.